telling you, you know, just do what you want when you want any way you want, because nobody is keeping track anyway. That was from my conversation exploring the walk of life with comedian, actor, and host of the Storyworthy podcast, Christine Blackburn. Christine moved to Los Angeles over 20 years ago to pursue her dream of comedy and continues performing and entertaining to this day. Christine and I have a wonderful conversation about what goes into being a comedian, her journey with hosting the Storyworthy podcast, which has interviewed successful funny people for over a decade, and hilarious anecdotes from her career and life. As always, I want to thank Misha Zarens for the music in today's show. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. Christine Blackburn, how are you doing this evening? Hi, Walker. It's so nice to be here. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining the show. Um, Christine, to run through all of the things that you do is, is going to take a while, but I'm going to try really quick here. Um, so you're a comedian, an actor, a podcast host, a game show host, a public speaker, <laughs> a yeah. commercial actor. <laughs> sure. But most people are that. When You know, if you come out to L.A., if you're a stand-up comedian, you're um you're often a lot of those other things as well. Okay, okay. Um, so you you originally started out in Pittsburgh, and yeah, that's where I'm from. Right, and so there you weren't an entertainer in your yeah, early. Yeah, actually, 20s. I started stand up in 1992 at the okay. Funny Bone in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, down in Station Square, and it has changed dramatically since then. But at that time. Uh, that's when I first started comedy. So I did comedy for about, um, I'm going to go five years in Pittsburgh before I went to the Peace Corps. And when I got back from the Peace Corps, I came to Los Angeles. Right. Okay. Well, so yeah, I didn't understand that you had started stand-up even earlier than than moving to LA. Yeah. So what inspired you to start stand-up comedy? Well, you know, it's funny you should say that, Walker, because it's a great question. And for most comedians, it usually comes down to one or two specific <laughs> specific tragedies in life. You know what I mean? It's kind of mm. like something that really jogs you and really, you know, really hits hard, hard enough that you pretty much need to say something to somebody you know what i mean mm. and when i first got on stage i mean it's also like from childhood i think you know like how you were raised how much approval do you need but then as you get older at least for me i was married and my ex-husband i'd only been married a year and my ex-husband got another girl pregnant not oh, wow. me another girl pregnant yeah while we were married and that pretty much was like the boom in my life that said, mm. I like to get on stage. And so I went on stage with one joke. And I swear to God, I still use the same joke today. <laughs> <laughs> I have one joke that still works from all those years ago. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, yeah, I uh, I dabbled in stand-up a bit when I was like 19, 20. Um, but I actually had the opposite experience. My dad passed away when I was 20. And that actually kind of shook me out of the feeling of being on stage and you know what I mean? It, oh, was, wow. so it was the opposite experience of the tragedy kind of. But what got you on stage to begin with? You know, I don't know. I've always been someone that was kind of like funny with my friends kind of thing. And I grew yeah, but up. That's watching. not it. That's not it. Tell me about your parents. Tell me about your parents. Yeah. My parents are both funny and, and I grew up watching lots of stand up. I and mean, my dad had HBO when I was growing up. So I watched deaf comedy jam. I yeah, mean, but who ignored stop. you? Who ignored you? <laughs> uh, my teachers, maybe. I don't know. I was always talkative in school and always in trouble for that, and, you know, that sort of thing. But really close relationship with both of my parents. Did you ever um, have a lot of babysitters and stuff like that? Um, Yeah, when I was real little, I did. When I was very young. But <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it. it. That's it. That was the detachment <laughs> right there. Ah, I see. So there's always, so you, in your view, then a, the, there's always a, 
a trauma of some sort that yes. pushes someone into being a comedian. That's absolutely right. Last hmm. week I had on my show, it's it, actually this week I have on my show, Jackie Martling, Jackie, the joke man, Martling from the Howard Stern show. And he was saying that he has no idea why he started comedy. And I asked him this very question, you know, about when he grew up and he goes, well, you know, my parents had me and they lived downstairs and my, and my mother's sister and her husband lived upstairs. And then I was born and I was the only baby with all four four of them. And I got so much attention because everybody was so excited. There was a baby around. And then two or three years later, his next sibling was born and then they had another baby. And then there was two or three more born. And guess what? No mm. more attention for two-year-old Jackie. And I'm not kidding you, dude. That's how early this shit starts. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I believe it. I've done a lot of work in the last couple of years on just, you know, psychology and personal development and trying to understand why people act the way they do. And um, yeah, have, have more recently learned about how, how much of our personalities are shaped between like two and five or something. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's crazy. Absolutely. <laughs> Tell me what your last name near, what is near? What is that? What is the origin of the last name you have? Um, I'm so I don't know for sure. My it, it's my, my dad's name, I guess, obviously. And his parents, from what I understand are like, I think Irish and German descent, so maybe a German thing. It kind of looks like it could be Germanish. Um, the only grandparent that I know for sure, my my mom's mom was from Denmark, like came over on the boat, but I don't have her name. Her last name was Ledette. So I think the last name Near is awesome, and I love the name <laughs> Walker Near. It's a, it's such a great name. You have <laughs> well, siblings, you. and what are their names? I, I have one uh, older sister. We have the same dad, but different moms. Um, so her last name was near until she got married and now mm -hmm. it's, it's Heider. But what uh, was her it. name? I just want to hear what. what... Oh, M Michelle. Michelle near Michelle yep. near. Yeah. It's interesting. So my middle name is Theodore. Walker Theodore near Walker Theodore near Walker near is really cool. Walker. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like near is just, it's clever. I like it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I, I didn't pick it. So that's very, that's very generous. <laughs> well, um, tell your parents they, they really chose well. Very cool. <laughs> well, it's funny if you Google my name, which in my vanity I've done, uh, it just returns oil rig drilling equipment that is called Walker near. It's oh, like a brand. Yeah. That's so interesting. <laughs> wow. Funny. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, like, are when you when you're starting comedy, were there comedians that you were were really inspired by or trying to maybe not mimic, but I don't know that, that you were taking influence from? You know what? Not so much when I um, when I first started off at the comedy clubs. I mean, I like the comics I was with, like Frank Nicotero, mm. I remember. And I'm still friends with Frank. Uh, but I also, of course, I loved Eddie Murphy's Delirious, and I loved Richard Pryor, and I loved, you know, some of the big ones that I heard. I, I remember very well hearing, you know, some of those early concerts that were so huge. I remember Dice Clay. I, I mm. remember the big names. Paula Poundstone was big. Uh, Wendy Liebman was big and my father adored Johnny Carson. So I adored Johnny Carson and David Letterman was hit, was huge, but mm. they didn't really influence me. But now I'm definitely influenced by comedians like Laurie Kilmartin and Jackie Cation and all these people. There's so many talented people, Walker. I mean, I'm telling you, yeah. you know, my, my podcast story where the people come on my podcast and they tell me true stories and then we pick up the interview from there. And so it's not really long form interview. It's a little bit different and it's really fun to see what my, my guests are comedians. And it's interesting to see what comedians, what story they want to bring me well, anybody for that matter. I've had on, you know, musicians. I recently had on Richard Marks and I've had on big names like Larry King and Sugar Ray Leonard. But it's interesting what people bring to the table. When you say to somebody, bring me a 10 minute story, what they choose is just as interesting as the way they tell it. So it makes the podcast pretty cool. And I've had on, you know, hundreds, hundreds of guests and hundreds of comedians. So I really love comedians. Yeah, no, yeah, you're over 700 episodes, which is yeah. just wild. Over ten, you started in 2010, is that right? Yeah, 2010, yeah. Yeah. In one so year, cool. in 2014, I did five months. I was doubling up. I did two episodes a week for like five months because, you know, I was trying to double my numbers, but that's not the way it works. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs>
It is not. So I've started, I have three podcasts that I host and they're all different brands and, you know, different names. And wow. Uh, yeah, none of them, none of them make any dollars. So yeah. <laughs> it's not are a you consistent plan. with, with each one? Yeah. Each one's a weekly show. Wonderful. Yeah. And you're uploading yeah. the same time and you're. Yeah. Yeah. That's all great. That. Congratulations. <laughs> That's exciting. It's fun. Um, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't have the same list of guests that you have. Certainly um, not that level of fame, but to your point, I think that it's fascinating to hear just people's stories. And like, if you can really listen to people, even if they're not famous or, you know, whatever they they can still have something that's really fascinating. Oh to yeah, say. for sure. Oh, for sure. I just happen to like comedians because I am a comedian, but also because they understand brevity and there's nothing worse than somebody telling them, you know, there, you know a lot of people say, oh, everybody has a story. And it's like, but not everybody tells it well, you know, so you might have this a story, is, but do I really want to hear it? Do I care? Right. Yeah. So comedians, they have a, a way of tightening things up, which I appreciate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was something that really surprised me whenever I was, whenever I was doing stand up. again, I am not a comedian, yeah. so I am not in your category. Um, but the very brief time I did it, I was, I was emceeing at a local comedy club here in, in my hometown and the headliners that would come in, you know, I was opening for all of them. So they would all interact with me and yeah, they all emphasized how much of writing standup is about taking things out, right? Yeah. It's like you develop the joke and then it's constantly pulling words out. And like you said, tightening it up, Yeah, less which words. wasn't yeah. obvious. Yeah. yeah. That's what it's all about. So how do you how do you write jokes? Are you like taking notes all the time on things you see or I do take notes sessions? all the time. I do take notes all the time I, on little. I mean, I try to have my notebook with me, but if I don't, I scribble on napkins anywhere because when an idea hits you, it's so fleeting. It's unbelievable how fleeting it is. Like you can be taking a shower, you get in the shower, you have an idea. And by the time you're out, it is gone. It mm. is gone. That idea is never coming back. So it's you really do have to write it down. And then I do a lot of open mics around town and I, um, you know, tape them, listen to the session, you know, listen to mm. it, cut, listen to it, cut. It's, it's a dreadful existence and nobody would do it unless they have to do it. So that's it. <laughs> Fair enough. So do you think comedy can be learned or is it something that's intuitive based on a trauma experience from childhood. <laughs> I think it's intuitive. I mean, mm. there are funny people and then there are not funny people, you know, like I have uh, four sisters, but one of my sisters, she's just not funny. She's just not <laughs> funny. She doesn't get it. She's even, she'll even say like, it's, I wish I was funny. And I'm like, yeah, it's weird. Cause she's really intelligent and she was a lawyer and everything and very oh, smart. Wow. But, and you really, there is an intelligence factor to comedy because you have to be one step ahead, right? You have to say what right. everybody else is thinking and you have to say it first. And so, you know, it's, um, it's an intelligence thing in terms of how quickly you're thinking and figuring it out. And when you talk to real comedians, I mean, like comedy writers, you could see, you could see their heads spinning. You could see them searching, searching, searching for the joke, the antidote or, you know, whatever they can pull out of it. And so with that in mind, you would think that the smartest people would be that funny. Uh, last week on my show, Jackie Martling mentioned that Albert Einstein loved comedy. He loved oh. stand-up. And his favorite, jo his favorite joke was um, <laughs> uh, something like, uh, my penis isn't that big, but I love every foot of it. <laughs> Wow. Or something like really crazy. Yeah. I love that Albert Einstein also just like yeah. dick jokes. Or maybe that's, it was something like, maybe it was something like, um, I'm not saying my penis is great, but I love every foot of it. it was yeah. like, <laughs> super funny. So, I mean, there you go. Right. Right. No, that's fair. So, um, you know, you mentioned that you still have a joke that you tell that you developed back in, you know, 92. Right. Right. How do you, how do you keep a joke fresh after you've told it for, 20 plus years <laughs> because it's funny is funny you know funny is funny it's the same way like all those you know the old school jokes like the way jackie marling performs you know those old school jokes those are just like those are jokes from hundreds of years ago and it's still funny and that's why you can still say it so if right. you can write that and all of a sudden you said it then it's very it's very satisfying 
I guess my thought is just that like, and again, I'm not a performer, you know, not yeah. a musician or a comedian or anything, but it, I, I would think that like for a band, maybe by the time you're playing your hundredth show, or your thousandth show, it's like, I don't care about this song anymore. And I would assume that that has to be true for a comic as well. But but maybe not. Like is, no, I think that could become... be totally true. Both things can be true. You just don't okay. use that joke. Move on. You know uh, how much time do you have on stage? Usually, you know, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, twenty minutes. So you can't add everything anyway. So if you don't like it, it's out. You know, it's it's gotcha. nice in that way to be your own editor, your own director, as a comic. No, that's fair. Yeah, and, and the response is so quick. It either worked or it didn't. So you have to have a pretty tough skin. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's when people will ask me, you know, like, oh, are you ever going to go do comedy again? And it's like podcasting is way better because I can do this. And then I just send it out. I don't have to worry about anyone. I'm not looking at people and being judged in the moment and all of that. So much easier. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so I think that, you know, and this is a common sentiment, but doing standup takes a, a tremendous amount, just as you were saying, I mean, thick skin, but also just a bravery and a courage to to get up there and, and really put yourself out. And I think that comedy is almost exposing yourself maybe more than any other art form, because even if it's not you, everyone thinks it's you. Yeah. And so do you find that that bravery translates to no, it was not. What, Something just flew past your desk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried to just move on. <laughs> How could you ignore band. that? Something almost hit pitching. Walker in the face. <laughs> I was trying to keep it professional, Christine. I, oh, I, uh, what was it? It was a rubber band I was fidgeting with, and it split in my fingers and <laughs> shot directly at the webcam. Awesome. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so, so what I was just trying to ask is just, I mean, do you do you find that that courage or bravery translates to other areas of your life or is it more compartmentalized just a comedy or do you not see it as bravery? Yeah. I don't really see it as bravery because honestly, here's the, here's what it really comes down to. Nobody cares about anybody else. <laughs> I try and tell people this so no, often they and don't. no one believes they me. Don't. And you're not as good as you think and you're not as bad as you think, but at the end of the day, nobody cares. Yeah. So you just have to really grasp life and, you know, I have a couple of friends right now who are quite ill and I've, uh, I'm a cancer survivor and I just, I'm telling you, you know, just do what you want when you want any way you want, because nobody is keeping track anyway. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's very I mean, fair. It goes had... to that whole live life to the fullest. What that means is just do whatever you want because nobody right. cares within right. the law, <laughs> within the law. Thank you. Right. And, and in some capacity where you can have a roof over your head and feed yourself and that sort of stuff, or is that well, not important either? You know, it depends. <laughs> Listen, it, that's a huge factor because what do you need? You know, I've been doing this in Los Angeles for 24 years and I don't have a washer dryer. I don't have a dishwasher. I don't have, you know, a garage. I do have a parking spot, which is nice. And I have really nice windows and I have hardwood floors. So I have other right. things. I'm in a great area, but I'm just saying like, what can you right. trade off? And a lot of people do not understand the idea of um, delayed gratification. So mm. they get out of college, they're 21 and they're like, okay, who do I marry? Cause I got to buy a house. I got to have a job. And then within five years, I'm getting pregnant and then I'm going to do this and this and this. And it's like, I, and, you know, and then, if, uh, you know, I don't know. They've got it all planned out when they're not what they're not understanding is it ain't it ain't going to go by your schedule anyway. Everything's going to change and nobody cares about you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the I, name of my new podcast. Everything's going to change and nobody cares about you. It's your host, Christine Blackburn. <laughs> yeah, I'll tune in. Um, Thank you. I'd listen to yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I'd listen. Um, so how much, you know, like I said before, I think that people think that comics are being completely authentic when they're on stage, which isn't always the case for you. How much of your stand-up persona is the real you versus like a characterized version of yourself? It's pretty much all me. I'm just the yeah. same person. Yeah. I'm the same person. 
For sure. Okay. I don't feel like I'm different at all. I mean, okay. I might be more sarcastic or harsher on stage, but I'm not, I'm nobody different, you know, I'm right. not different. Well, you've got like the, the, I don't even know if he still does comedy, but there was a Larry, the cable guy that was famous a decade ago or something. And it turns out that that the actual person yeah. is nothing like the character. Yeah, I don't that is get Larry that. The cable I don't, that. That's another, <laughs> you know, that's another form of entertainment when people take, take on, you know, yeah. Other people, I want, like I said, I, I keep bringing back Jackie, but I just had him on my show and sure. he, and I'm like, don't you ever do jokes? Like, you know, I was married and now I'm divorced and I live in Long Island or I do this and that. And he goes, no, 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 that's not my act. And I'm like, yeah, but you're telling, you know, all these people, other people's jokes. And he goes, no, that's the art of it is that, you know, he's like, he knows thousands. And he goes, do you think when you go see a, a Shakespeare play, those people didn't write it. They're just acting. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just another form of comedy. You know, there's people that do one-liners, people that do a lot of blue material, people that just talk about dating, people that do, you know, there's all sorts of styles. And so, right. uh, you know, it's just everybody has their own taste. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny you mentioned that. I always thought it would be interesting. I, like cover bands exist mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. tour even, yeah, right? Sure. I mean, it's not even just like sure. local or something. Sure, sure. But I've always been surprised that there's not like cover comedians that would do like, like take like redo bits of like Chris Rock's like Bring the Pain yeah. from 1996. Ugh. You know, that'd be, like, that'd be tough. That'd be a, that'd be very hard to swallow. I well, mean, and maybe you don't do the whole act, but I, I mean, I don't know. People I think are doing Jackie Pink the Floyd. Joke, those guys are doing like more like vaudeville, like the oldest of old jokes. Right. You know, there's a there's a fine line. You just can't start quoting Richard Pryor or something. I, I know that's what I mean is it would be considered you'd be a hack, right? Yeah, Everyone that would be you being horrible. a hack. Yeah. But again, in the music space, it's fine as long as you tell everyone. No, hey, they're hacks I'm... too. They're hacks too. <laughs> they are hacks. You know, yeah, like but... the back doors, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Dead Zeppelin. Okay. You know what I mean? So you don't respect cover bands either. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. I don't give a I'm shit, man. Teasing. I don't care what I know. you do. Once again, comes back to nobody. I don't care. <laughs> so have you ever done comedy writing for other people? No, I haven't. Okay. Okay. So to, to jump over to your podcast, like we said, you started it, you know, in, in 2010 podcasts at that time. I mean, they weren't brand new, but they were pretty new. They're I mean, now podcasts, new, yeah. everyone is familiar with them or largely, but back then they weren't. So what, what kind of guided you to start a podcast? Um, you know what? Howard Stern left terrestrial radio and went to Sirius XM. So I got Sirius XM because I'm a big Howard fan. I was then, I am now. But but Adam Carolla replaced Howard, right? So then I became an Adam Carolla fan. And then in 2009, one morning, woke up, turned on the radio. It wasn't Adam Carolla. It was like Latino music. And so he was gone. It was like KTLS or whatever it was. They fired everybody. And it was like a shockwave, you know, through the city. It really was. Everybody was like, what happened they didn't even let him say goodbye it was just like they're gone and then adam got a podcast and so he and i so i started following his podcast and then mark maron started his podcast so those two people really were the impetus for me to start my own show i also listened to jackie cation and jim jimmy pardo those guys also had podcasts so there were definitely people before me in fact i think pardo did his show never not funny in 2004 four swear to god wow. yeah jackie yeah. was 2005 so people were way before me and i definitely listened to other people you know when it started clicking to me like wait a second wait a second i see what they're doing you know and you know i i at first you know i got a sound engineer that's the first thing i did because mm. i decided that really if that's all i have is that all it's i all i felt like i have is good sound that's it. Mm -hmm. If I don't have good sound, nobody's going to listen anyway. So I don't have to mm -hmm. worry about the content if it doesn't sound good. Because I could have on, you know, anybody, I could have on a star, but if, the, if it didn't sound good, they're going to turn it off. So I hired, I went on Craigslist and asked for a sound engineer and some guy responded, my buddy Jorge Reyes, and I paid him, you know, 25 bucks an hour, which ended up being like, you know... You know, maybe 150 a show or something. You know, I mean, it ended oh, wow. up being a little, or maybe maybe 100 a show. It ended up being a little bit of money because it was like two hours to record at that time, and then 
editing and, you know, so I started putting money in right away. And, uh, since then it's been 11 years and I've made hundreds of dollars Walker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, so I met you at, at podcast movement in Nashville earlier this year and you were a, a presenter, as I mentioned, and I, not to, to disparage podcast movement at all, but they put you on a pretty crappy stage. I know. Candidly. They do it every year. Uh, <laughs> they do. And they just asked me, they just, I just, put a thing in to talk to them, you know, excuse me, to do the show again. But this is it in um, January here in Los Angeles. It's like called mm. Evolutions. It's like a halfway point. Another big event. It's a big event. And I said, here's the thing. I need a bigger stage. Like, I'm not trying to brag, but why wouldn't I be on a bigger stage? When I've done right. the show for, the, I've done like four, four of those for them. Right. I don't get well, paid or anything. I spend my money to go. You know what I mean? Right. And well, and your I mean, the your your body of work as a podcaster alone is how it does most other people. <laughs> I know. Tell me about uh, it. But you still had a really great energy, um, which is why I came and talked to you afterwards to, <laughs> to introduce yeah. myself. Well, um, listen, I'm not disparaging the white male, but let's face it. Podcasting <laughs> has been about the white male for a long time. <laughs> And people that are hosting these big festivals, they are white males. And when they go diverse, it's usually not so much with women, but with color. And I, I don't know. I don't know. It's yeah. frustrating. And then the other part of that equation is that, you know, so many corporations have come into podcasting now. So they have these much bigger names because, you know, who the heck doesn't have a, you know, Katie Couric has a show. Conan O'Brien has a show. You know, all right. these famous people have shows. And so it's made it very difficult for the indie podcaster. I mean, I I don't get, I get about uh, maybe 30% of what I got when I started. Downloads. Wow. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. I used to be in the top 10 all the time, all the time, huh. on Apple Podcasts, all the time. I would get 65,000, 85,000 downloads a show. No problem. No problem. Wow. But now there's a lot of competition. And like I said, you know, you get the moth comes in and you get, you know, these other storytelling shows, Snap Judgment and NPR, you know, they have an army behind them working right. on a good 25 or 30 podcasts or whatever. So it's, like I said, to be an indie podcaster, it's really hard to stay in the game. And of course, if somebody's in it for the money, they will not be in the game because it, it right. can't, it can't have to do with money. It's just too uh, intense. There's too much work, you know, you know, the dedication. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, I drop on Tuesdays and Tuesday keeps on coming. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, you're absolutely, absolutely right. What are so, your three different topics that you go over in terms of why don't you have one show twice a week? Why do you have three? Um, <laughs> this is not going to be interesting to anyone but you since you asked. But <laughs> um, so I started the walk show first, this show. Yeah. And when I started it, I'm not clearly famous or an expert on anything. Um, so I didn't really know what I would talk about. And I just decided my name obviously is Walker, hence the walk show. And then I, that kind of turned into exploring the walk of life. And so oh. at first I just kind of talked to, I would do solo episodes. I would have guests if I could get them, but mm -hmm. I didn't know really mm -hmm. how to get guests. Right. Um, and then started getting more and more guests for this show. But when I went to, when I was five episodes in, I went to Podfest, and the, the very first breakout session I went to at Podfest, the guy goes, all right, so if you're a new podcaster, here are the basic rules. The podcast can't be about anything. Check. I'm already doing that wrong. It can't be your name. Basically, it's my name. <laughs> and the, the the thumbnail can't be your picture, which now I have a lovely logo that was designed by some friends of mine. But when I first started, it was a picture of me in a samurai costume from Halloween that I wore in front of an outer space picture. Oh, my gosh. Because I don't gosh. know what to use. That is <laughs> so funny, Walker. That is awesome. That is fantastic. That's okay, because the beauty of podcasting is that it's your own art. And art always moves and changes. So if you don't like your logo, you change it. If you don't like your music, you change it. If you don't like your co-host, you get rid of them. I mean, that's the beauty of it. So you're doing all the right things. 
Yeah, well, thank you. Um, and, and so they said, and then they said, so your, your podcast has to be niche. Like, you have to have a topic or else no one will ever find it. And so I was like, all right, well, I really like doing this show about anything and not having any rules and getting to make it whatever I want. But I understand that that might not be very commercially viable. Mm. So let me start another podcast. I'm a huge gamer. I play a lot oh, of video okay. games. I see. Yeah, well, that's very so specific. Like, yeah, well, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I thought so. And at the time, again, I didn't have guests, so I was doing a lot of solo episodes, which is challenging to write an episode every week. Sure. And, you know, especially with no no topic to, to base yeah. it off of. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I have one episode that's like I'm complaining about my my neighbor's mowing schedule and how I'm like passively aggressively competing with it. You know, I'll what am I talking that. about? I, I listen yeah, to that. <laughs> But anyway, so I had a friend that's also an avid gamer and also has an interest in podcasting. And so I asked him if he wanted to start a show about gaming. And we both grew up as gamers and played games with our parents and stuff. So there's an emotional connection to gaming yeah. for us. So that one is is about why gaming matters. Mm. Um, and then it turns out that gaming is actually... So starting a, a podcast about video games and saying that that's niche is kind of like starting a podcast about music sports. and saying, right. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. There's infinite. So the third podcast, I told you this was a remarkably boring answer. No, it's no not. Brevity go, here. go, go. I'm not what's, a comedian. What's the specificity? <laughs> Let me hear the real niche. Now we're getting yeah, nicher. So, so the real niche was after, uh, right before I went to podcast movement, actually, I decided I'm going to do the most niche thing I can. So there was a new video game that, that came out in July that a friend of mine and I are, are playing. And we started a podcast just about that game. What's it called? Only that game. The game is called Crowfall and the mm. show is called The Crowfall Podcast. Good for you. And I, Great. And so I said, I want to see if we can generate an audience that knows nothing about us otherwise. But if they're searching for this, yeah. then they'll care. How's it working um, out? The game isn't nearly as popular as we had hoped it would be. So, <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> so it's okay, um, but but honestly, we do almost no marketing, uh, and, and you have fun. Yeah, and it's comparable numbers actually to the other two shows. Wow. So, I think it kind of works, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep going. We'll Good see what happens. You. That's fun. <laughs> You're so, creative. Yeah. That's art. I just keep throwing stuff at the wall. Where we'll do see you live, by the way? Springfield, Missouri. Uh huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> You familiar with that? No, no. no. <laughs> Thank you. I thought you might lie to me. Well, so I was going to ask you, actually, and, you know, being from Springfield, Missouri, I don't know really anything about L.A. or, or whatever, but a common understanding that people in the flyover states like myself have yeah. is that um, is that people that L.A. is full of millions of people that are all going to make it right, mm -hmm. that are just just waiting to make it. And obviously, a lot of them don't. But you have been performing there and, and had a, an enormous career across a, a lot of different, you know, genres, I guess you could say. And and on top of that, on, beyond just your own work, you've interviewed, as we've said, hundreds of people that are successful in the industry. So I'm curious, have you been able to identify a common thread between these people that are successful or is it more random or lucky than that? Oh, wow. Boy, you got great questions, Walker. Listen to you. First of all, Los <laughs> Angeles, like any city, has a lot of different businesses, and there's mm -hmm. a lot going on here. So let's say in um, Southern California, there's about 17 million people. I think in L.A., I'm not positive, but let's say 10 million. Well, there's sure. only 5 million in, in – not 10 million. There's only 500,000 in entertainment. I mean, it's less than a million. So there's a lot of other things going on in Los Angeles. So it's not like everybody's in the industry by any means at all. 
by That's any fair. means at all. If I see somebody, you know, strikingly beautiful in the store, I'm going to stop twice, just like I would in Springfield, Missouri. I mean, it's not like okay. it's constantly beautiful people. Sometimes people say like, isn't everybody out there fake? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know who you're hanging with. I have a daughter. I'm a mom. I'm at school. I wear the pinny and carpool. And I, you know what I mean? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I, right. I, I have to work the school fair. And then I go to the teacher conference. And then I, you know, stand up is only 10 minutes a day. <laughs> no, sometimes it's that small, though. You know, it depends on what right. stage time you get. And so... You know, people are leading normal lives out here. I never wear makeup unless I have a show. I don't have that many nice clothes. I, you know, repeat clothes. I don't have a great car. You know, like I said before, it depends on how long can you delay your satisfaction? Can you delay comfort? Do you have to have a dog? Well, then you're probably not going to live in L.A. because you ain't going to find a place that can take a dog. Sorry. Mm -hmm. And you say, yeah, I got to have my dog. Of course I'm not going to have my dog. Okay, then don't live in L.A. Whatever. Like, it's not hard to understand. You could even live in New York City if you want, but you're just not going to have things that you might be accustomed to. So it's not any big secret. It's like, how do you stay in shape? Well, let me tell you. Um, It's diet and exercise. What? What? (laughs) How do you afford living in L.A.? I have a two-bedroom apartment. I mean, what? I don't, my car is 20 years old. I'm sorry. I don't know what you're talking about. Like who's right. so wealthy. I do know wealthy people, but just cause you're in the industry and working in things, it doesn't mean you're wealthy because like I had a television show back in 2005, 2004. I mean, that's over 15 years ago. Yeah. Right. I made really good money those two years, but that was almost 20 years ago. You right. know what I mean, so there's just, there's, all ways of life in LA. There's not, you know, there's, and, and it also, if people come out here to try to quote unquote, make it, and they quote unquote, give themselves like two years or five years, like that's a joke. That's a joke. Mm. It's never going to be like that. Nobody just makes it and then stays here. And even if they are a star, like let's look at somebody like Demi Moore or somebody like that, then they leave, you know, she lives in Idaho or wherever. It's not like, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean? It's, I, I just think that people have a lot of misnomers and misunderstandings in Hollywood, like proper Hollywood proper i live very close to hollywood but it's like it's just shit right now unfortunately it's quite sad it took a really big hit during covid and a lot of homeless encampments and you know we've got this huge homeless crisis going on and you know there's a lot going on in la i love this city i i love the weather obviously but i love the nature aspect you know the the hikes and I play a lot of tennis and I like mm-hmm. not having to worry about the weather. You don't have to think twice. You can always schedule something, you know, outside. And I just really like the energy. Other people might come out here and, you know, it's pretty quick sink or swim in terms of can you handle living in an incredibly rejecting environment? Can you handle mm-hmm. that? Do you want to handle it? Is it worth it to you to get rejected you know, 80 times in a row, or would you rather have a garage and a dog? You know what I mean? So it's, it, I understand why people don't want to do it out here. I get it, of course, but it right. just, it just depends. Everybody's different. Everybody's different. That's super interesting. And and I'm, I'm glad Thanks, I asked Walker. the question then because I hope it's I, interesting. Uh... I'm not sure. <laughs> I didn't mean to be pandering with that. I just, <laughs> I just mean, I, again, like, you know, I, yeah, I don't know anyone else in the industry. I, I don't talk to people that live in LA. I, now I have an aunt that lives in LA, but she's not in any, to your point. Most people aren't real in show estate, business. Right? Yeah. Right. Most people yeah, aren't right. in show so. business. I mean, of course not. I mean, there's only, you know, it's so frustrating, especially with, you know, the big films that'll come out over the holidays now. And, you know, there's about 12 actors. That's it. And then they rearrange them in each film. I mean, it's mind boggling, frustrating. So Mm -hmm. when you're talking about stars in L.A., it's the same 20 that you see. Not a lot. Not a lot. You know what I mean? But there are a lot of creative people out here, a lot of really smart people, and a lot of funny people, a lot of talented people. And it's almost like the most clever person from your high school in every high school in the country comes out here. And it makes it very interesting. Yeah. No, that's fair. So – 
you you have a book as well that is it an autobiography basically is am i yeah yeah it's like that? a memoir mm -hmm. okay so I, what was what was that like? Was it cathartic for you to write that? Did you enjoy it writing hard. that book? Would you do? It was so okay. hard. No, I don't know. I mean, I I keep wanting to write a second book. I've got a lot of it planned out, but I think more than another book, it might be like a stand up album. Like I I don't have any stand up albums, and I'd really like to do that. So maybe I'm going to make yeah. the show into that instead. Because writing the book was really hard. I mean, it's just uh, very tedious, and you go over it and over it and over it, and you know, at the end of the day, I want to change so many things, but there's no way, you know, there's no, you know, you can't change it. So you're going to write another one. It's, it's a hard thing. However, I will say that now that there's like dictation and it works very well in computers, it's a lot mm -hmm. easier to just spit out your story, you know, spit out the story you want to tell and then get it into, you know, a pages application or a word application and then just edit, 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 edit. It's like, get it on the page and then just chisel away at it. You know, even if you right. did it an hour a day or half an hour a day, it can happen. But it right. is, a, it's another dedication. It's a dedication. So I, I was, uh, you, you know, we've talked about your podcast, Storyworthy. Um, but you also have another show um, that's currently on, on YouTube, um, The Story the story where the hour of power. Yeah, that's super um, fun. I, I now it's called the story where the hour and a half of power because I have more oh, okay. time. <laughs> that <laughs> is live. It's every month at the Flappers Comedy Club in Burbank, California, and so I call it the story where the hour and a half of power. And I get seven comics, me included, and we tell true stories. But again, because they're by comedians, it happens to be very funny. So the stories range from the craziest stories to very simple stories, but it's always a blast because you're in a comedy club and you know, there's food and drink and everybody's pretty much telling funny stories and it just makes for a really interesting hour and a half. It really does. I, I love that show so much. Now that, that is not on YouTube, but during the pandemic I did like 50 or 60. Okay. So on YouTube, there is a lot of stories Yes. Yeah, Christine Blackburn on YouTube. Yeah, it's great. It's so exciting. And then the same with my game show, Story Smash, the storytelling game show that I also did during the pandemic. And you can see about 35 of those up on YouTube. So Story Smash is a monthly show at the Hollywood Improv. So another comedy club. And we have so much fun. It's a wonderful game show, again, based on comedians. They spin a wheel on the stage and they land on any one of 16 different topics and then they tell a true one minute story in the first round and in the second round a true two minute story and then two contestants go on to the third round for a true three minute story and you know you have to think on your feet right because you might land on vacation or mom or you know um food or pandemic and you have to quickly on your feet with a clock, you know, ticking beside you, you know, you tell a story. And then I have these three expert judges and I use quotes expert because they're just comedians <laughs> and goofy people right. that judge. And then, and then hilarity ensues. It's very yeah. funny. Yeah, no, it is. It, I, I was able to, to listen to, uh, to some of it oh, and good. it has a, it has, it has a very, which I mean, as you just kind of described, an almost improv type vibe. Yeah, I mean, definitely. it's not an improv show in the traditional sense of that, but it it, it kind of almost like a whose line is it anyway vibe to it. Again, yeah. it's not like it moves anyway entirely. But... It moves very quickly, and the contestants yes. they know twelve of the topics up at the at the top. They know twelve topics going into it. So if you look at the website StorySmashShow.com, you'll see everything. It's super fun, lots of pictures, and we laugh so hard. Because the judges are such intelligent people. Again, I get really great comedians like Blanka Patch and Danny Zucker, who was the executive producer on on uh, Modern Family for all, all 11 seasons. I'll get Peter Melman, who was executive producer on Seinfeld the entire nine seasons. I mean, I'll get wow. these really bright people, and their comments are just hilarious so it's just a <laughs> wonderful night and yeah please do check it out you guys story smash show.com yeah well one one final thing i wanted to bring up um that i just happened to come across again in, in watching some of your content on youtube 
and it's from from episode 17 um, of the story where the hour of power and you are you show kind of like a quick hit reel of a bunch of infomercials (laughs) that you were in right and there's two of them i've done two of them it's so funny two reels i made two reels and i want to be clear so they are hilarious but it's not like you're doing it poorly or something like no it's, that's it's what a it legitimate is. infomercial be like that yeah or commercials yeah. So i've done over a hundred commercials in my life i have done a lot of commercials so if you go to my one of my other websites i have three websites one of them is christineblackburn.com just my name and if you go through that toward the bottom you'll see both commercials it is hilarious these reels yeah. that I cut. I got like thirty commercials in like two minutes in this one round. Yes, and it's just so silly how many stupid products I have hawked. Well, it is so embarrassing. What was your favorite one? The Speaking Bible. Um, I think it might have been the pancake. Oh yeah, the, the pancake, pancake waffle or yeah. whatever. Yeah, it's just like, sure. What? What's but happening? It was just, yeah, it's just it's, it's funny because if I didn't know that you were a comedian, I don't know. I mean, I would have thought they were like corny infomercials, but because and it's not like I know you personally yeah. or something, but because I know you're a comedian, it I mean, it's like watching SNL skits. But or they're like real. They're, they're all real. I know. Every product <laughs> is real. I do. A, I do a commercial for the Mormons. I do a commercial for the Mormons. They flew me to Salt Lake City. They already had a dad. They booked a dad from Salt Lake and three children from Salt Lake. But they needed a mom. They fly a mom in from L.A. So not a real mom, you know, somebody to play a mom. So I fly to Salt Lake City to be with this family in this Mormon commercial. You know, like I've done so many ridiculous things. I did an infomercial for a breast enhancer that was a piece of plastic molded over your breast and you blew into a straw attached to it. And you would walk around the house for 10 minutes a day with these suction cups on your breasts. And that is supposed to, you know, it was like 120 bucks or something. I mean, just a crime, absolute crime. You guys have to watch these. They are funny. Christine Blackburn. They, they are. There's two of them. Yeah. Watch the other one, Walker. You'll laugh. I think I might like I the second one even better. So okay. silly. And I have enough material for one more. I just have to get it together. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, I'll, I'll be on the lookout. Um, well, I know you've got to run soon. One one last question that I, I want to ask is just, you're a person who has an incredible amount of energy and you're just a very warm and charismatic person oh, to, to just meet. And I'm curious, do you... Do you have like a, I'm trying to figure how you do it. Like, do you have a self-care routine? Do you meditate every day? Do you journal? Like, have you heard of Paxil? Do you know Paxil? Uh -uh. It's a um, antidepressant. Okay. (laughs) I mean, that would be far. First of all, you know what I mean? Antidepressants rock. And that's one Paxil. I used to be on um, Prozac. That worked too. But I definitely am somebody who has to have things evened out. I mean, it's just, you know, it's hard. Life is hard. Life is hard. And now yeah. that we know nobody cares about you, it's sometimes even harder. <laughs> <laughs> but easy, but freeing, right? I There's have freedom a really, I do a very specific schedule in terms of sleeping, or I try to because I have a daughter. And so we get up at 6.30 a.m. and I'm in bed by like 10.30 at night or 10. So that's one thing. Gotcha. I smoke a lot of marijuana. And I'm okay. a huge, huge advocate that it helps you in everything you do. I totally, I totally believe that. And um, I also play a lot of tennis and I go to the gym three days a week. So, you know, I know it sounds cliche, but it really comes down to that exercise, man. It's yeah. a lot about exercise. No matter where you are in life, you know, just go outside and walk in one direction for yep. 10 minutes, turn around, walk in the other direction. And the next day, do 12 minutes in one direction, turn around, walk 12 minutes. Just get up to about 45 minutes a day of walking, you know, you'll be all right. But I, I yeah. like I liked to lift weights. I think that's the most effective for me. Not not heavy weights. Like, no, not heavy weights. But You're not a bodybuilder? No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> but like, let's say, let's say like leg press at 55 pounds. That's very, okay. you would probably do like 85 or 90 pounds or a lot more. Eh, you might be surprised. Well, anyway, I'm just saying like, <laughs> I think exercise is really important. I mean, yeah. you can't get around no. it. That's awesome. No, I, I completely agree. Well, Christine, uh, it has been an absolute pleasure to interview you this evening. Um, again, the podcast is story worthy. I'll have links in the show notes to your different websites, your different social media accounts. Is there anywhere else that we haven't talked about yet you'd like to direct people to? You know, I spend a lot of time on Twitter just because I, I like wordplay and I like silliness. 
And so I'm on Twitter at Storyworthy, and I definitely hang out there. Like Facebook and Instagram, I post because I feel like I have to, but they don't interest me much. But Twitter, you know, because again, you can follow who you want to follow on Twitter. You're not going to get shit in your stream if you don't want that. You know what I mean? Right. So if you follow smart, funny people, there's no, there's nothing funnier than Twitter. Twitter is hilarious. So there you go. Follow me there. Okay, cool. Well, again, Christine Blackburn, thank you so much for your time this evening. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Walker. that's all for the show today. Thank you so much to Christine for stopping by and sharing her walk of life. I also want to thank Misha Zarens for the music in today's show. And last but not least, thank you listener for listening. I also invite you to check out my other shows, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is a video game podcast where we explore the idea of why gaming matters, or my other show, The Crowfall Podcast, which shares stories and perspectives from the MMO Crowfall. Both of these are available on any podcast app. Thanks again for the listen. Have a great week. Stay up.